Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of December 9th through December 15th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. I was going to insert a quote from Bayonetta from the Direct, but I forgot it. Dang it. And <laughs> Ben LeMoreau. I'm the newest Smash DLC. Uh, the Smash Bros. Direct happened. It was just a couple hours ago. It's here. We're reacting. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, that's our discussion segment this week, and we'll be doing that first. Then after the break is our normal news segment where we've got a ton of stuff on uh, Minecraft, the weird new PR between Nintendo and Microsoft that's going on, uh, Mercedes-Benz in Super Mario Maker, and lots more. But for now, Smash, I, I want to get you guys initial reactions, one sentence, maybe two. Alex, go. Square Enix, you built up my hopes for Gino, and then you broke my heart. Ben? <laughs> uh, unexpected, but still pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know how they tell you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all? <laughs> Colin will not be talking for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I liked the Gino costume. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to conduct the rest of the discussion? <laughs> um, no, yeah, let's, I, I let's, kid, I let's kid. start with the Gino costume, actually. <laughs> the the so, one thing I'm excited why for. Why would you do this, Square Enix slash Sakurai slash Nintendo? That's why? great. What are you talking about? No, no, no. You acknowledge that Gino is something that fans want, and then that's not the brand new character that you create for us? Well, why? I mean, okay. I, Gino's never going to be playable. Yeah, I had no real hopes that Gino would <laughs> be playable. I'm sorry, Alex. I, I think this is a, a pretty fair compromise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I am excited that it's actually happening, because I saw, you know, I, I was kind of expecting, given the way that me costumes and some DLC has gone, that uh, that we might not get Gino. Um, kind of like how we didn't get Guile's theme on the Street Fighter <laughs> stage, or we didn't get One Winged Angel in Midgar. Whose idea was that? Yeah, yeah that's a little but, weird. <laughs> but I'm glad to see they actually did go through with Gino. That's good. Um, other me costumes were great. You know, we got Takamaru, we've got uh, Ashley, Tails, and Knuckles. So that's all cool. I liked that. And Knuckles. And Knuckles. Yeah. And Knuckles. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I also liked the... We're assuming that you guys all have seen this, by the way. We're not going to tell you... Spoiler warning. Uh, ...all the news you just heard. But I did like the characters they showed off. I... I'm just not excited for them at all. Yeah, my very first reaction when uh, Korn appeared on screen was, oh, great, another Fire Emblem character. But, yeah. you know, he slash she has actually got a pretty pretty unique style. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm never really the one to say, oh, there's too many Fire Emblem characters. I'm, I'm not liking this. Another one was definitely pushing the line, I think. As great and unique as Korn's moveset looks, I think he and slash she looks awesome to play. But Fire Emblem Faces and Out, like, I just can't possibly be asked to be excited about that. You know, a, a little while ago, Sakurai said everything from here on is going to be fan service. And yeah, I don't think I saw anyone asking for <laughs> Corrin, like, ever. That was a lie. Here's what I think. So Sakurai said Bayonetta won the Smash Ballad. She was number one in Europe and in the top five in North America. You know, he, he didn't mention anything about people voting for her in Japan. So I have a hunch that he said, let's throw the Japanese audience a bone and give them a character that they might be really hoping for. And that's why you're seeing nobody asking for Corrin over here. You know, I, I have a hunch that's why he's included. It's funny that you mentioned the Smash Ballot and, and funnier in particular that, you know, Corrin is a character that got in after the Smash Ballot was created. 
because I think the decision to include Corin was based on very much the same sort of decision that led to Roy being included in Melee, which is that we have this franchise that we're kind of looking to expand the popularity of, and now is the time for us to expand the popularity of it, so let's go all in with characters from this franchise in Smash. Could be. Given that, I'm almost surprised none of us thought of that as a prediction. I'm not at all. I (laughs) still... I get why they might have done it, but, you know, like Ben said, Sakurai said, it's all going to be fan service. No one was talking about Corrin. Don't believe his lies. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of people are talking about Fire Emblem Fates, and I think that's sort not of... Not in the West. Not in, in the Japan West. Japan, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. And that sort of goes back to what you were saying about Bayonetta. I still think it's definitely pushing the boundaries. I think it's much more likely that, you know, Nintendo was... Or that Sakurai in, included Corrin as a way of, you know paving the way for Fire Emblem Awakening in the West rather than being like a a nod to Japanese. Oh yeah, sorry, Fates in the West. Rather than it being like, you know, a nod to Japanese gamers saying, hey, you didn't get, you know, what you wanted since, you know, Bayonetta won the poll. But I I definitely think it's more about promoting Fire Emblem Fates. Sure. Yeah. So the conclusion then, either way, he lied? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe by fan service, he means I'm a fan of Fire Emblem and I am servicing myself. I I mean, I also think that was a huge part of it, honestly. Um, Um, mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people I'm seeing react to this news, like, six six Fire Emblem characters is too much. Uh, that's triple what we've had in any other individual Smash game. Two of them the uh, two of them are DLC characters, so that's two slots in the set of the seven DLC characters. Are and Fire two of them characters. are Marth clones. <laughs> so that means half of them are Marth. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think... After hearing the comments that we we got out of Sakurai this week, and we'll talk about these more later when we get to the new segment, it's really not that surprising that we ended up with another Fire Emblem character in Smash. Well, anyone, does anyone have anything to say about the moveset? Oh, moveset's great. I love the the diversity. I love that it's Mm -hmm. not just uh, moves that no other Fire Emblem character has had, but the kinds of moves that no other Smash character has had. Yeah, That's really great. Totally. Um, I love the one where you can spear people into the ground. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. Corrin is Um, OP. I'm a little sad, though, because there are so many characters that turn into dragons in Fire Emblem, and I feel like they sort of wasted that gimmick on a character like this and not one like Tiki, yeah, one of the more traditional the ones. We'll see how it plays out, but I the other thing about Corrin is I have a feeling he's just not going to end up being a popular Fire Emblem character in the long run at all. And I think they were already kind of pushing it with Robin, um, who they maybe could have leveraged in the future as a sort of recurring Fire Emblem character, or at the very least being sort of Smash's representation of the customizable protagonist. But the dragon thing is new, but yeah, other Fire Emblem characters have done it, and as far as we can tell, we can't say for sure because we don't have Fire Emblem Fates yet, as far as we can tell, they've done it in much more interesting ways. And Robin's already done the customizable protagonist thing, and, I mean, we've already got five Fire Emblem characters, so... I feel like Corrin would have been better leveraged as a replacement for Robin in the next Smash Bros. game. Yeah. And so from that perspective, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. But but Corrin does does look like a great character. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Sakurai did say he's kind of got an attitude of, this is my last Smash Bros. game. I need to put everything I have into this one. But that's also the attitude he's had for the last couple Smash Bros. games. So Right. Yeah. So it sounds like our comments are kind of winding down on Corin. Uh, before we move on to Bayonetta, does anyone have any last things they want to say? Or I'll buy the heck out of Corin. A little sad there's not a <laughs> new stage with him, but 
yeah, became her. Yeah, but that's uh, the other thing. I feel we can maybe talk about this later, but I feel like besides characters, because the characters um, have been excellent, but I feel like the DLC accepting characters has just been so lazy. Yeah. Really, like huge tip of the hat for all six of them, but huge wag of the finger for the effort on stages, music, you know, all the other ways around, um, and a big unintentional Colbert reference. I caught it. Don't worry. <laughs> um, Bayonetta, though. So my favorite part of the whole thing with Bayonetta is you know how people have been asking Hideki Kamiya from Platinum Games oh, to, yeah. if Bayonetta is going to be in Smash for years, and he's just <laughs> infamous for swearing at Nintendo fans and blocking them on Twitter and just getting <laughs> very, very upset with them. So after uh, Bayonetta was officially unveiled, he uh, he posts on Twitter and says, to Sakurai and all Smash idiots, I love you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, best, yeah, best combination of insult and uh, adoration that I've ever heard from a human being. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> all smash idiots um, um but the reveal trailer well, that was really surprising to me i was praying it didn't mean another kid Icarus character yeah oh my god yeah. that was the worst way to, yeah. to reveal that uh, that well honestly best way <laughs> but, but, totally. so i'll walk you through i'll walk you through my reactions to bayonetta <laughs> so you probably remember that i thought for sure that cloud was somehow the ballad character even though none of our none of yeah. our fan polls pointed in that direction and clearly mm-hmm. none of our fan polls pointed in the bayonetta direction either so there's right. that she was number 10 in the or a debated number 10 with sora and paper mario in yeah. this sort of big aggregate poll right uh this whole huge survey that but no standout in um, any like one poll right and and you can check out that data uh at gamnesia if you're listening a great member of the community community highly enola uh compiled all that it's got a, a a great sort of representation of the kinds of characters that you've seen people talk about but yeah that's what really surprised me is, is bayonetta support was not nearly as vocal as really anyone else you know, she was behind Paper Mario. She was behind Waddle Dee. Like, but apparently vocal in the the poll that matters, right? Uh, well, the one, the poll in Sakurai's brain that says all the characters that I don't like don't count. Yeah, sure. Anyway, yeah. getting back I'm to being, my... I'm being needlessly harsh. I know that's not... Oh, I'm going to get back to my story now. Yeah, oh, go so, ahead. <laughs> so, based on Sakurai's comments during the, the direct, I thought, oh, well, he says, Cloud is the most popular Final Fantasy character we've gotten requests for. Uh, they've gotten a lot of requests for Final Fantasy characters. Maybe this is sort of their way of saying, oh, yeah, Final Fantasy was in a way a winner of the ballot. And Cloud just happens to be the most popular Final Fantasy character. So we're giving it to him. So I was like, OK, OK, great. So Cloud's the ballot character. But then I see this 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 trailer, the Kid Icarus characters, and I'm like, oh, no. So I had the same reaction <laughs> as you guys. It's not going to be like Medusa or Hades or something, is it? And it wasn't. And then Bayonetta shows up and I'm like, oh. This clearly must be uh, Sakurai getting buddy-buddy with Platinum Games because of mm-hmm. all the collaborations they've been doing lately. This isn't the Bala character. Like, that was not a thought that crossed my mind once when yeah. I saw Bayonetta show up. And then he mentions at the end, oh, she won the ballot. And she actually won the ballot worldwide. And I was like, no way. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Uh. I don't think... She, I, I don't believe that she did. Well, I you know, think... he said she won the ballot worldwide when it came to, like, characters that could realistically be in the game. Yeah. And I guess that's a loosely defined yeah. term. You know, what, exactly. what does what does Sakura count? <laughs> who, who, then who who beat her, really? Was I, I buy Shovel that Knight? she was in maybe the top five worldwide. Banjo-Kazooie? I buy that Goku... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shrek. Right, like, Goku, um, Banjo-Kazooie, Shovel yeah. Knight? Did they I mean, beat that's, her? 
I don't know if Shovel Knight would have realistically beaten her. Banjo-Kazooie, given the worldwide support that Banjo-Kazooie had, I totally think Banjo-Kazooie beat her. Uh, I think K. Rool beat her because, mm-hmm. again, worldwide support. K. Rool is phenomenally popular all across the globe. I think it really came down to the few characters that did come in on top of her. I think it's just a matter that don't giggle at that. <laughs> that, that Sakurai <laughs> just decided I don't want to make King K. Rule. You know, I don't want to deal with the licensing for Banjo-Kazooie because that's Microsoft. That's the nightmare for Nintendo, that is. And here's sort of the sad thing about that. And and really, even if your your sort of premise isn't true, the sad thing about the fact that Bayonetta won the poll It's that Nintendo recently in particular has been sort of painting themselves into this corner where they're only really relevant in terms of Japanese characters. They're not relevant Mm -hmm. in terms of characters that are popular in the West. Yeah. And, you know, whether what you're saying is true and that means that they're like just straight up avoiding uh, Western characters and favoring Japanese ones or and this might even be worse for them in terms of like long term company health, whether their fan base is limited to uh, people who love Japanese culture and Japanese characters, which is, by the way, a very limited market. I'm sorry to say to you, Japanese character fans. Yeah, like that. The, both scenarios spell big problems for Nintendo if they want to gain global support like they've had historically. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not sure how much it pertains to Smash, given that the other contenders are an indie darling who is really popular with a ton of people, but let's face it, is not a, you know, Western character all-star. Um, Banjo-Kazooie, which hasn't been relevant since Nintendo 64, a lot of Western fans, but it's also in that sort of cartoony realm that Nintendo's got going on, which is awesome, but, you know, it's, it's gonna get people who liked Banjo-Kazooie specifically back into Smash and not sort of a, a more sort of global kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the same there is true of K. Rule, who, you know, hasn't had any significant appearances since the 90s. So, you know, I think it's, it's probably correct that, uh, Masahiro Sakurai at least sort of, uh, favors catering towards the either Japanese fans or people that are fans of Japanese characters, but I don't think that's necessarily representative of how Nintendo as a whole views their market. You know, I I think they kind of give Sakurai a a lot of free reign with Smash Bros. I'm not sure I agree that it has nothing to do with how Nintendo operates because you've seen the kinds of third-party support that they specifically go out and court. You know, this could actually be a really good discussion topic for another episode, but we want to make sure we're focused on Smash uh, still back in here, focused on the Direct. Sure. Um, And yeah, we don't want to run over time, so... Bayonetta's playstyle, though, I think that looks really cool. The guns are awesome. I never thought that would happen. They really captured the way the character plays in the actual game. Yeah, she's she's just so fast and hectic. Yeah, and that's what Sakurai is so great at doing, is capturing all these different styles of gameplay from a wide diversity of genres and capturing them all really beautifully in Smash. And, uh, you know, the way they showed off Bayonetta, that totally shows how great they represented the sort of character, action, super, super flashy gameplay style. And now, granted, obviously, Smash is an action game, so it's not so hard to translate as, say, you know, Cloud's turn-based RPG would be, but... um, Still, good job. Yeah, and I even I, I commend them for the way that they handled the very light censorship that they added to the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, in the original game, her clothes explode when she attacks, and that just wouldn't fly in a game that's mm-hmm. rated E10. Uh, but they but they handled it really well. She just has this kind of, like, short skirt instead of uh, instead of losing yeah. all her clothes. And that's, that's, yeah. that's good. 
suits the character well and it doesn't go overboard totally yeah and the kirby costume for bayonetta is adorable (laughs) (laughs) yes i saw a comment from someone saying uh hideki Hideki Uh, kamiya is now in smash Uh, oh no hideo kojima oh oh, yeah that's right kojima yeah i know i just screwed up the name because i'm thinking of bayonetta yeah (laughs) hideo kojima made it they're both Um, like very similar personalities too yeah a little bit we also got that Bayonetta stage, the uh, falling, or the, what's it called, the Umbra Clock Tower, which I thought looked really cool. Yeah, it looks like it should be pretty fun. It's funny because it looks really, like, it looks like they pulled off the theme of the, the area they're mimicking really well. But oh, at totally. the same time, it's sort of amazing to see, this seems clearly like a low-budget kind of stage, and yet it still was very well mm-hmm. pulled off. Um, it sounds like they sh- they're throwing it together kind of at the last minute to try to get Bayonetta DLC out pretty quick. Yeah, but it, sure. But it still looks pretty good. Sure. So Alex, unlike you, when uh, when Bayonetta popped up on the screen, my first thought was that she was uh, going to be the winner of the Smash ballot. But I thought there was going to be more than one winner announced, and I thought there was going to be you know a couple a couple more DLC characters announced. So yeah. what yeah. surprised me was when they said you know she's going to be our final character, and for a little bit there, I, I was you know feeling like a, a selfish and fan and going oh that's you know that's crap i thought we were gonna get like at least one more maybe two more and then at the end of the the presentation they start rolling the numbers they're like this is the biggest smash ever we have 58 yeah. playable and then i started to yeah. feel guilty they're like we put seven thousand songs <laughs> in it and 28 that's, million trophies that's sakurai's polite way of saying now seriously never ask me for anything <laughs> ever again basically yeah um, um yeah no i I had a similar reaction just because, I mean, I think that Bayonetta and Corrin both look awesome. Um, but, you know, I've, like I said, I've never really played significant amounts of Bayonetta, so it's not at all exciting to me. And then obviously Fire Emblem Fates haven't played that, so that can't be exciting. I just, I came into this direct with low expectations. You know, I was, don't get hyped, you know, you're going to be disappointed. I'm just kind of sad that it ended up being true (laughs) and i know that that's not representative of how the presentation really was but for me personally i just i feel like it kind of completed this journey of okay there's this new character there's this new character there's this new character that's interesting but i really don't care about them at all and i was looking at all the newcomers that ended up coming into smash the one character that made it that i wanted was mega man Really? Out of all... Oh, Little Mac actually, too, I wanted. But, uh, yeah, out of everyone who's made it into Smash 4 now. And I think that's why I've been so kind of disappointed by a lot of the stuff like this. Is because, you know, I recognize there's so much amazing content coming. But just so little of it is personally exciting for me. And Smash means so much. Like, way more to me than it ever should to anyone. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of why... I think I'm sort of just feeling a little let down. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I also don't really have much of a personal interest or investment in Bayonetta, but at the same time, she looks like such a like an interesting and unique character that it's it, yeah. it's it is still interesting to me. You know, I am still kind of hyped for her, even if I don't you know play the the Bayonetta games themselves. Yeah, sure, sure. I would rather have characters that I like that I don't necessarily like playing as than unfamiliar characters. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, like. It, like inklings i'm shocked wolf i can't believe i literally can't believe that they didn't bring wolf back yeah he's, he's got such support basically you know around the globe yeah wolf was one of the top voted characters <laughs> that's the surprising thing yeah. um and you know that's a veteran it would be so easy to make but so that's 
I, I'm just really, really surprised that that of all the characters that they said were realistic, that there weren't, you know, other Nintendo characters that were sort of being eyed. Like That's really the shocking thing to me, too, is that out of all of the Smash Bros. DLC, we only got one strictly first-party newcomer, and that was Corrin, another Fire Emblem character. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, a major fan request for a new first-party character. It wasn't a new franchise that they haven't brought into to Smash before. It wasn't Gino. <laughs> um, like it, and it wasn't even Shrek. What is this? <laughs> Shrek is it's love. It's all um, ogre now. It's like this, this game is supposed to have this, like, Nintendo soul, and this round of DLC doesn't feel like it has a Nintendo soul. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. They didn't even give Isaac a costume. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. He could have even been a Robin clone. <laughs> I think at this point, Nintendo's basically just pretending that franchise doesn't exist for now. <laughs> yeah. Which is sad because, you know, Spiral Moon doesn't need six reps. They could at least give one of the generic swordsman roles to a, a different franchise. Or they could have at least put in, like, Cranky Kong. Yeah, Cranky Kong. Like, <laughs> he's got a lot of fan love. Cranky Kong is their fourth best-selling franchise, guys. Hey, yeah. maybe people want to see more than two characters. And, and the other depressing thing for me is that now Fire Emblem has the second most representation out of all those franchises in Smash. I oh, think it's wow, either tied true. with or just barely second to Mario. No, it's tied with Pokemon, and it's it's second only then to Mario. Wow, I had not thought of it that way. Yeah. But uh, we don't want to be so negative. No, you know, I, none of the characters are bad, <laughs> in my opinion. It's yeah, just, exactly. It's just crazy that that's never something that I ever would have imagined would happen. Like, Fire yeah. Emblem representation just tripled in one game. It, I mean, it doubled just through DLC. No, it didn't. That's a lie. Well, it doubled um, just in <laughs> Smash 4, and then they added the yeah. same amount again in DLC. Yeah, wow. And, you know, this shouldn't be something that I'm disappointed about, because Fire Emblem, of all Nintendo franchises, has the right you know number of characters to mine from that this shouldn't be a problem and yet oh totally it's just it's just there's something missing from this round of dlc I, I, yeah that's exactly it there's something missing and i think it's that that sort of nintendo proprietary first party character really fan favorite sort of deal yeah. You know, I, I feel like a lot of this game's newcomers have been sort of newer characters, uh, characters that are interesting but not expected or totally expected to the point that people don't really care about them. Hi, Palutena. You know, We Fit Trainer, so much fun, so silly, but who's excited for We Fit Trainer? Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of those sort of fan favorite characters that people want to get really hyped about. We've got Mega Man. Um... Maybe Rosalina, I think a lot of people like Rosalina. But I, I can't think of too many more. Yeah, not for this game. Brawl, yeah. I feel like, was was the high point for, for hyped new characters. But we can be sure, though, Smash 5, Waluigi, Paper Mario, King K. Rule. I mean, that game is going to be awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's yeah. the newcomer and set that's... that I'm waiting for. And it's the one I've been waiting for all the time since they announced this one. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm hoping is a silver lining of all this is that all the characters mm. that didn't get added this time will will get dropped in next time. Yeah, Inklings will be fun. A, a reason to hope for another Smash Bros. game. As if we needed another reason to hope for another Smash Bros. game. Well, we were talking about this, Alex, and I don't know how much I actually believe that this is going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Smash Bros. for NX, a third version of this game that brings more content to the NX at launch. Yeah, because Sakurai has said he's done with the 3DS and Wii U Smash Bros. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, if it's on NX, it's not 3DS and Wii U Smash I mean, he Bros. should be done with Smash Bros, period, for now. He deserves a very long rest. Yeah, uh, and, and and the Namco Bandai team, that, or Bandai Namco, I guess now, that's been working with him has shown that they've done a great job. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I think it's a remote possibility that they, they launch Smash Bros for NX and have it just be, you know, basically the same as the Wii U version. But I, I really don't see them shoveling out some extra content at the last minute. And, you know, I, I, I don't see that after all the, the work they've put into the Wii U version. And after, yeah. you know, like I said, at the end of that presentation, they flashed all these impressive statistics. And like you said, yeah. it just felt like a big don't ever ask me for anything again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Nintendo can continue Smash Bros. without Sakurai. Right. Yeah, that's true. The question is, who else could possibly do it? But we don't know enough about the internal development team. Hey, Hideki Kamiya likes Smash Bros. fans now. <laughs> Kamiya. The Project M dev team. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know that this necessarily has to be a thing that only Sakurai can do, or or that even that anybody in particular has to do. I mean, Smash has, has developed such a sort of defined standout moveset and, like, image for itself that i i think anyone who touches it would want to be rabidly faithful to what it's done already yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's something that everyone in the industry respects i mean you just look at all the characters that are coming in third parties now uh, everyone wants to be in smash bros you know yeah. even if they have no ties to smash bros remember that guy what was it Artix or whatever from like rpg quest or whatever that game was called i remember there was a, a bunch of indie devs like posting yeah, I mean, that they wanted their characters in there was that guy from like a browser game <laughs> they were talking about but it just goes to show you that even characters that have no ties whatsoever to nintendo companies like Square Enix and Cloud are going to be happy to say, we'd love to join. Yeah. Uh, and then Konami's still off doing God knows yeah. what. Yeah. No Snake, no Bomberman yeah. even. That would have been a good addition. Oh, yeah. Would have fit in yeah. well with some of the other third-party characters. Smash 5. Bomberman and Rayman going to be the new guys. Yeah, there won't be a Bomberman. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. Does anyone have any final thoughts on DLC before we wrap up? Because we are getting uh, to about the 30-minute mark here, at least for recording. The I would um, say the one thing I'm disappointed about is no real tournament mode. Yeah, that was yeah, another one I, of those something. I didn't get my moments. hopes up for that. I guess yeah. my thought is uh, thank you to the Smash Bros. team. I know we've complained a lot about what, what content <laughs> we've gotten on this on this yeah. podcast today, but uh, but all the content's been actually really pretty good. So, oh, yeah, totally. like I said, 58 characters to choose from. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, I may not have personal attachments to these characters, but they look awesome. So yeah. and then the quality of the of the characters is just excellent. Totally. Totally. So, thank you, Smash Bros team. Thank you. I'm doing my little my little bow thing for the direct. Thank <laughs> you guys. All right. Well, guys, that is the end of our discussion segment. But stay tuned after the break because we are going to be holding a normal news segment. I don't know why I presented that as if it was anything special. Uh, But uh, stay tuned. In the meantime, please enjoy an 8-bit remix of the Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS theme once again by a YouTuber named Bowie. And we are back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, as always, joined by Alex Plant. Yo! And Ben LeMoreau. We're doing things in reverse this week. It's exciting. 
So Smash is out of the way, uh, let's dig into our news segment now. We'll start off with some Minecraft news that came out since last week's episode of Nintendo Week. Mo Yang revealed that the Wii U edition of Minecraft will not support the gamepad for any features besides off-TV play. So that's no crafting, no item management, nothing. Huge missed opportunity. Yeah. That said, though, it will support USB keyboards, the Wii U Pro Controller, and online voice chat. Um, I guess this just confirms once again that Minecraft is in fact a PC game. <laughs> because they aren't adding any features that aren't supported on a PC. Well, so, I mean, here's where we're at with Minecraft then. We don't have Amiibo, we don't have skin packs, and the gamepad's touchscreen was pretty much the only thing that would have differentiated this version from any other version of Minecraft that's been out for years now. I would certainly hope they're working on additional stuff like that, putting it in down the line, and maybe that's why we're seeing a digital-only release at a time so close to Christmas, is because if they waited until getting those exclusive things were was done, then Minecraft would miss the holiday sales season. I'm going to be a pessimist and say that they're releasing it digital-only because they don't have any faith in the uh, Nintendo fan base to go out and buy it physically. Realistically, I think that's the same. I think that's the reason. But, man, what a letdown, though. Before this, I was, I was teetering on the edge of should I buy this, should I not? And the, the main reason I was leaning towards not was because then I'll just never do anything else with my life. But <laughs> now that I know there's, there's no game bad support, that's just a deal breaker for me. If I was going to get it, I'd just get it on PC at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way. Um, and I think what you said earlier, Ben, about them feeling like they're sending it out to die is pretty accurate, given that mm -hmm. Wii U is now missing out on Minecraft by three years compared to Xbox 360. That's three years late. Since when has a game that's released three years late done well? Yeah. I mean, and that's the that's the thing. Like, they're not putting any work into this. And so I think then even the people who wanted it are going to just be disappointed by by what they're offering. And then then sales are going to end up even worse. Yeah. And I mean, how much effort is gamepad support really for crafting and inventory? I mean, they've already got touch controls on iPad and iPhone. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can't be too like. I understand it's still development time, but it can't be that bad. No, no, I don't think so Certainly either. not worth not trying at all. Especially for something that would really be a game-changing feature. Yeah, but uh, either way, Minecraft coming to Wii U means that a first-party Microsoft game will now be available on a Nintendo console. With this in mind, a Twitter follower asked Xbox head Phil Spencer if any Nintendo games could come to Xbox, so flipping it around a little bit, and Spencer said, quote, I'd be happy to see that. Well, Phil Spencer would be happy to see any games on Xbox. Zing? I was going to say he'd be happy to see that just because the only realistic scenario in which that would happen is if Nintendo goes third party. I don't know that he cares that much if Nintendo goes third party because I don't think he sees Nintendo as a threat at the present. But, uh, well, no, but if, if Nintendo goes third party, then they would probably be putting a lot of their games on Xbox. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's true, yeah. Um, I, I'm with both of you there, yeah. I don't think he sees Nintendo as a threat, but I also think he doesn't see Nintendo as a threat because I think that he is a very good-for-you-minded person. I think he sees the success of PlayStation, and obviously I'm sure he wishes that Xbox was in that throne, but uh, I don't think he's sitting there enviously saying, well, I'm never going to let Sony put games on Xbox. Um, and I think it's the same way with Nintendo. They're obviously super, you know, a super beloved company. They have some of the most famous IP in the world. Even if Nintendo doesn't go third party, I'm sure he would love to see Nintendo games on Xbox just because I think he's a really optimistic and, and happy guy in the games industry who loves, just genuinely loves seeing games thrive. Yeah, 
I, I do love me some Phil Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I don't know him at all, so I, I I don't know if any of that's true. But that's the way he strikes me, at least. He's been consistently a feel-good PR guy, so so that's probably yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. Another fan asked the official Microsoft Game Studios Twitter account if Rare Replay could come to Wii U. Uh, also, keeping Minecraft in mind. Uh, Microsoft Game Studios replied, suggest it to the great folks at Rare, which got people really excited until Rare said that they appreciate the enthusiasm, but Rare Replay will remain Xbox One exclusive. Microsoft then said they have no information about releasing any games on Wii U other than Minecraft, although one employee did say that there's a lot of fan demand for a Minecraft Amiibo, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm not really even sure why whoever was manning the Microsoft Studios Twitter account that day, you know, bothered to say, suggested to the great folks at Rare. Yeah, they they had to that know that that, idea. like, that's not even Rare's decision. So. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah. I will say, Microsoft lately has been going, not, not Microsoft's gaming division, but Microsoft, the company as a whole, has been going all in on this idea that the, their software doesn't need to be tethered to any one kind of device. And so I don't think it's, like, totally totally unrealistic it's not going to happen obviously and i right. think microsoft would want rare to handle it and they've got rare too busy at the moment with their new game sea of thieves mm -hmm. so it's not realistic that it would happen anytime soon but i don't know that it's you know out of the question just because rare replay is, a, is an xbox game well yeah but you know typically with microsoft's philosophy of you know we don't care what piece of hardware you buy to play or software it still has to be a windows 10 device or you know something similar though you know we're not seeing Microsoft games ported to Sony and Nintendo, really. With the exception they, of... Minecraft. Well, the exception is Minecraft, <laughs> but obviously that's a very... Right, but that's been everywhere. That's, yeah, that's a very odd exception. It, so, yeah. When I say software, though, I don't just mean games. I mean their sort of productivity software, like like their Microsoft Word is no longer a Windows exclusive uh, like it was historically. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that only because the courts declared Microsoft a monopoly, though, and said they had to? I guess, but there was no reason <laughs> why they had to put it on iPhone. <laughs> Did they really do that? Yeah, it's on iPhone. You can download oh, it right there now. There you go. All it's right. It's free even if you if you don't want to pay for extra features. I, I think what's uh, you know possibly a little more likely is the idea of Minecraft Amiibo. Since we've seen you know yeah. Nintendo work with a, another studio before, they let Yacht Club Games design the Shovel Knight Amiibo and you know produce it separately at a, a separate facility. So if uh, if uh, a deal could be reached that's favorable for Microsoft, I could see them agreeing to that. Because at that point, you know, it'd just be saying no to free money if they don't want that. Yeah, and the, one of the sad things for me about the whole Minecraft Amiibo idea is that would have been such a great opportunity for not just Microsoft, but for Nintendo as well, had they managed to secure Minecraft within a reasonable time after its console debut. Because I could easily imagine Nintendo doing something where you have a sort of Minecraft-specific version of an amiibo, uh, like a Mario amiibo that mm -hmm. is Minecraft-styled, and do something to play with the Minecraft craze that way. That would be really but, cool. But, you know, that ship's probably not going to sail. Nintendo's so protective of their characters, I don't think they ever would have done that, even if they had gotten Minecraft in earlier. Because um, they're not only protective of their characters, but they're protective of the way their characters are represented. Sure. And they really don't want to deviate from the way they try to represent their characters. But yeah, that would have been really cool. Or even just being able to like scan in a creeper amiibo and send a creeper, you know, just have a creeper spawn like kind of nearby a friend of yours that you're playing with. Sure. Um, you know, mess with them that way or like a skeleton amiibo or obviously get your amiibo of Steve, the Minecraft guy and, you know, save yeah. your character skins, save what items are in your inventory and then be able to take them to a friend's game and pop them in. And that'd be really cool. Minecraft is so huge in terms of merchandising and toys, especially that, you know, 
when I when I heard this idea of Minecraft Amiibo, my thought was, wow, this would have been such a huge, amazing, great thing like two and a half years ago if they had done this. Yeah, or put yeah. Steve in Smash even. I, I think that might be stretching it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Although, you may have thought we were done with Smash stuff, but you would be wrong, because Sakurai was recently interviewed by uh, the 25th anniversary Fire Emblem history book about bringing Fire Emblem characters to Smash, and he revealed some interesting stuff. Uh, One, that he wanted to include Marth in Smash since the original game on Nintendo 64. He also opened up about the process behind bringing Roy to Smash before Roy's game was even out, and some details about the fight to keep Marth and Roy playable in the worldwide launch of Melee. Um, the Fire Emblem character's counter move comes from the attack counterattack flow of battle in the Fire Emblem games, and he said that he included so many Fire Emblem characters like Roy, Ike, Robin in Smash because of, quote, fortuitous timing. So you can head to Gamnesia and check out any of those stories in full if you'd like more details, but does anyone have anything to say on this stuff? Well, I'll just say on the last story, I mean, that's kind of probably why we're getting corn as well is just because you know that happened to be the game that was popular in japan at the time as he was thinking about what dlc characters to create yeah i was just gonna say yeah. that uh corn corn's game came out right in the middle of summer which was right in the middle of the sort of smash ballad hype season yeah In an interview with the Washington Post, Nintendo Executive VP of Sales and Marketing, Scott Moffat, was asked about the ability of 3DS to compete with smartphones, and he replied that 3DS is here to stay. Moffat pointed out that 3DS has sold more units than PS4 and Xbox One combined, and that 3DS allows for a, quote, much deeper and more sophisticated type of play. I've got to call this out, though. This is completely just marketing speak. 3DS has been on the market for twice as long as either of those consoles, and a huge number of its owners have bought more than one 3DS. We've got the 3DS, the XL, the 2DS, the new 3DS, the new 3DS XL. So those numbers are not a good comparison at all. Yeah, you know, you can make statistics say just about anything you want if you twist them the right way. Yeah. That said, though, what do you guys make of those here-to-stay comments? Do you think it's just more of that kind of marketing speak to divert attention away from future handheld hardware? Or do you think that it's actually indicative in some way of what NX might be? I think it's basically marketing speech. Um, You know, I I Mm -hmm. think Nintendo's still going to support 3DS for a little while here, at least until a successor launches, and then, you know, maybe about a year or so after. I, I don't think we're going to see very strong support for 3DS anymore. We really, the the support has been getting weaker and weaker over the last two years, and I think it's going to stay at that kind of low level of just a few big games a year. Um, you know, I'd love for Nintendo to prove me wrong, but like I said, we've, we've, we've been trending downward in terms of 3DS production for both sales and number of games put out and quality of games put out over the last two years. So until I see, uh, a marked difference in that i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and assume that scott moffat's just blown off steam <laughs> yeah yeah uh, if you lump his comments with what uh we've heard about nintendo continuing to support wii u and what we've heard about nintendo ramping up for nx there's just no way that they're going to be able to support three platforms simultaneously in any kind of satisfying worthwhile way mm-hmm. uh so you know 3ds is here to stay as long as the current crop of games we've announced hasn't been released yet uh but but i don't see big support coming for 3ds a patent that nintendo filed back in june has finally been published online and it depicts an oblong touchscreen controller that acts like a cross between the wii u gamepad and the pro controller there are two holes in the display for joysticks but there are no buttons instead you operate the controller with virtual buttons on the touchscreen what do you guys think of this? You can look at some sort of mock-up pictures at Gamnesia. Um, 
it's interesting. You know, we, we saw there was a patent a little while back, I remember, for uh, screen technology that would sort of simulate the feel of pressing a button when you press the screen. Like it would, you know, I don't know if it will yeah. use vibrations or what. So, you know, this could be something that works, uh, you know, in tandem with that. Yeah, and there was the other patent about um, they were working with Sharp to make screens that are not rectangular, basically. They, yeah. They uh, can be really any shape you want. So do we think this is this is what's really going to happen with NX, or do we think that this I is... I hope not. Yeah, you know, I, like you said, we have some mock-up pictures, and I looked at them, and they just... I would hope the real controller isn't anything like them. They they just seem incredibly awkward. Your fingers get in the way of a screen. I don't see why they would ever think that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. I could maybe see this being a kind of option for people who are more f- comfortable with a touchscreen than they are with buttons. But I sure. can't see it being a primary controller for a new system. Yeah, because, I mean, they'd have to have some serious haptic feedback in there. Because what, what they've always been talking about with touchscreens is they're just not as precise as tactile controls. We're not moving our stuff to mobile games, you know, to mobile devices because they just don't give you that nice kind of feedback. Obviously, this is just a patent. People file patents all the time that never get used. So that totally could be what's happening here. But uh, I just I don't see this happening. And in a really strange way, I really, really see it happening. (laughs) I don't see it happening in exactly the way they depicted in the patent. I could definitely see them implementing uh, a controller where the entire face has like a a screen or a touch capability, but I can't Mm -hmm. see them just foregoing buttons entirely. Do we think that might be a console controller or do we think that might be for a handheld device? I would hope it's a handheld, you know, if they're going to make it at all. Yeah. But depends mm-hmm. what the handheld looks like. I mean, they, they tried the two screen experiment with Wii U. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't see that being cheap to, to produce. So I can't see it being a, a console controller. Games Industry reported that the stock growth of Japanese companies throughout 2015, and they found that Nintendo was this year's best-performing video game company in the Japanese stock market. Their chart shows Nintendo's value has increased by nearly 60% this year, while Sony is, is up by about 30. Capcom's stock is up by about 50 or over 50, and Sega's is way, way down. Not surprised on the last note. Yeah, I know both of you guys had something to say on this. Yeah, so the the big boost for Nintendo, it it really happened almost all at once, and it was when they announced that they were making mobile games. And it was actually much higher than that, uh, that where it's at currently 60% over the start of the year, but it took a a big hit, obviously, when they announced that uh, their first mobile game was Mitomo, and when they delayed it before they even announced what it was. So it was, (laughs) you know, Nintendo was actually sitting much higher than they are right now, but even so... 60% 60% now over where they were sitting at the start of the year. That's a pretty big boost, and it was almost all because of their mobile announcement. Yep. Yeah, and I'll, I'll also sort of temper this news by saying the, the Japanese video game industry is not doing particularly well right now. Um, it's on fire. <laughs> that is an understatement. The, the house is literally burning. Konami is literally firing people. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah, don't even um, get started on that one. <laughs> So I don't know that that being the standout darling of the Japanese video game industry is necessarily something to be hugely proud of. Yeah, well, in this year especially, I believe, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but earlier in the year, uh, it was on pace to be the worst year for the Japanese video game market in a decade. Yeah, so it's good for Nintendo in the small scope, but doesn't really mean a lot it's kind of wild though because you look at a lot of games on 3ds in japan this year and a lot of them have done like phenomenally well which i think kind of of drives back to the point that nintendo 
does best when the industry is threatened. (laughs) And so, you know, I wonder if that bodes well for their next generation, which will be them having to respond to massive industry contraction where yeah. the people who are buying consoles are the people who are hardcore gamers who have bought most consoles or people who uh, suddenly have a bunch of money to spend on consoles and not, you know, the average family or something like that. Right. I mean, Nintendo's always thrived on the average family. That, the NES, that was a huge... That was basically who it was for. And, I mean, same thing is true for the Wii, obviously. Yeah. Um, of course, a lot fewer listeners are going to remember or even have experienced the NES days like that. Unlike me, of course, so well-versed. Spoiler alert for listeners, Colin was born after the heyday of the NES. (laughs) Not just grew up, was born. (laughs) (laughs) Liam Robertson, also known as Tamaki from Unseen 64, has heard a couple of interesting rumors about Nintendo software technology. Uh, They are the Nintendo team that made Metroid Prime Hunters, the Mario vs. Donkey Kong series, and the famously canceled Project Hammer. First off, NST has apparently finished making a free-to-play game that revolves around Amiibo. The game is expected to launch early next year for 3DS and Wii U, and will apparently tackle the free-to-play idea in a different way than one might expect. His sources also tell him that NST's president is considering converting the studio exclusively to a mobile development studio. Yeah, and they actually they were hiring for mobile development just uh, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, we hadn't been told that they would be working on it. We'd only been told that the uh, producer of Mario Kart would be working on mobile games. Yeah, I mean, I feel like NST is a good a good fit, though, for becoming a mobile developer. If any of the studios within Nintendo, yeah. Um, of course, the people who do Rhythm Heaven and WarioWare, they'd also be a really great team to tap for. Touchscreen gaming, no pun intended. <laughs> you intended um, it. <laughs> no, I really didn't. Um, but I, yeah, I'm totally fine with them going mobile only. I think we've discussed on the podcast before that you know the Mario versus Donkey Kong series would be perfect for mobile devices. Yeah, yeah. Um, that franchise is way better suited for mobile devices than it is for consoles. And NST really hasn't worked on anything else in years. So yeah, um, I'm more interested in the sort of free to play amiibo game. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. also really interested why anyone thinks it'd be a mystery how they would tackle the free-to-play concept in a game that revolves around Amiibo, you know, given that Amiibo aren't free. (laughs) Obviously, there's that, but uh, I forget who it was that said it, um, but someone said that this is going to be sort of a new, unexpected way of doing free-to-play. They might not have said unexpected, but... Obviously, the Amiibo free-to-play connection is just so painfully obvious. If it's anything but that, I can't Well, from imagine Robertson's it. report, he said how initially scanning an Amiibo just gets you the game for free, but that, that that's a temporary offer and that eventually there'll be some sort of payment model. Mm. Why are you making us pay for Amiibo if you're making us pay for the stuff that you unlock with the Amiibo? Yeah, it's all pretty vague I will, at this I probably this will understand this more once we actually see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the idea I, I just sounds to shady to me. Because, yeah, so much is unknown, though. Yeah. Devil's Third has been universally trashed by reviewers, and there were rumors that it wouldn't even release in North America. But this week it did, and Nintendo gave it almost no attention. There's no mention on social media, no review copies for the press, and they even shoved it to the very bottom of their recent releases PR blast behind Nintendo 3DS eShop themes. Ouch. 
<laughs> the game has been extremely hard to find anywhere but the eShop. Physical copies are going for like 200 bucks on eBay, and according to Destructoid, GameStop only got 420 physical copies of the game for the entire United States. The game went down in a blaze. Yeah, I mean, uh, all, all the puns have already been made, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if all those 420 physical copies were pre-orders. I feel like it, it has might to be. That be. has to be the case. Yeah. Assuming 420 people actually pre-ordered Devil's Third. Um, <laughs> I mean, in terms of game sales, 420 is so low that that's got to be it. That's it's, like unheard of low. That's I, like yeah. lower than any game sales in Japan low. <laughs> <laughs> that's like lower than how many Xboxes get sold in Japan every week low. Ooh. Not quite that low. Harsh words. <laughs> I will say the people that I've seen playing it seem to really enjoy it. Uh, just for how, like, over-the-top crazy it is, like, 80s cheesy action movie. But I feel like that's still a very niche sort of a... Not the cheesy action movie, but being able to overlook its massive graphical and glitchy errors is a, is a very sort of... If you pretend it's an N64 game, then it's great. Yeah. I mean, if you pretend it's an N64 game, it's freaking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but if you pretend it's a PS2 game, it's probably all right. <laughs> Yeah, this sort of gets back to what I was saying uh, earlier during the discussion segment about how Nintendo has been very adept of this generation at attracting a very specific kind of customer, but I don't know how well it's going to serve them in the long run. We also got some new backstory for Linkle. The developers confirmed that she is not Link's sister, so new character, fan fiction writers go wild. Uh, <laughs> but she's got a new backstory. She is apparently someone who believes that she is the reincarnation of the hero. She is not, ultimately, but she really believes that she is. That sort of golden locket that she holds up in the trailer, that's her sort of proof that's been passed down through the generations. So, um... That's really interesting. It kind of reminds me of that like fan thing that went around a while ago, the Valley of the Deluge, if any of you oh, yeah. know what, what that is. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad that they gave her her own backstory instead of just, you know, really saying, this is female Link, deal with it, and just you know, not really developing her at all. I think it's Never great Never ask they... me for anything ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hyrule Warriors has 21 characters. Oh, and... God. Hyrule Warriors has plenty of characters. Thank you Oh, very it's much. got tons. I um, was looking at the roster. That was incredible. Yeah. I'm actually no, really happy with that. That's like dream come true roster right there. Yeah. Um, Except still no Groose. Did they did they actually say that she's not like confirmed not to be a reincarnation of a hero? Or are you just speculating? I no, I, th I think they said that. I don't know. I remember for sure. the spoilers I saw were something like people are skeptical that she's a hero and she think they think she's just kind of telling okay. stories. Okay, maybe she's not then. Because I could see them using her backstory as a jumping off point for the idea of a female link option in a future game. Just because people, a lot of the resistance to that has been, oh, well, the hero is traditionally male in the Hyrule universe, and yeah. this would be a perfect chance to just shatter that right, right here. Yeah, I was going to say, the idea that she believes she's the hero is, you know, can sort of break the idea that the hero has to be female. But if she's yeah. not confirmed not to be the hero, yeah, this sort of crazy, like, time-bending pool of all these Zelda things, I think, is totally uh, the perfect place to introduce the idea, hey, there's somewhere where the hero is female. So. Yeah. Finally, the head of Monolith Soft was interviewed, and he said that he wants, personally, for the studio to keep making games that, quote, can't be made within Nintendo. He was super, super vague about that. I 
am kind of assuming that it means these sort of open world, big, you know, sort of forward thinking in many ways, sort of JRPG games, in many ways inspired by the more popular Western games like Fallout, Grand Theft Auto. Um, Alex, I know you're our big Xenoblade, big Monolith Soft guy here. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I think I think you actually kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, Xenoblade, the cool. first one, was a very like traditional kind of JRPG, even though it was doing a lot of things that JRPGs don't typically do, like having a large world and having MMO mm-hmm. mechanics and things like that. Uh, still very the story and the way it was presented and the way it was paced was still very grounded in JRPG sort of traditions and tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Xenoblade X is like the fallout of JRPGs. It's a very open world, very sort of western inspired approach to to game design and i think mm-hmm. i i harp on this a lot but but i think embracing western modes of design is something that that nintendo's first party traditionally has not been very adept at doing uh, mm-hmm. in particular since the jump to 3d and so i think that must be a large part at least of what of what the head of monolith soft is saying here and as far as i'm concerned more diversity within the different divisions of nintendo is always a great thing because totally. you know Nintendo has these amazing characters, but when you when you reuse Mario and Link and, and Samus with pretty similar gameplay over and over again, you know it gets a little stale. So it's great that Nintendo is giving one of their you know their first party studios that they acquired giving them a little more freedom. And I'd like to see them do that with other studios too, like Retro. And then we talked mm-hmm. earlier about you know uh, NST could be potentially converting completely into a mobile developer. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, going forward under new leadership, if Nintendo tries to diversify its studios a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that'd be really nice. Hopefully yeah. they do. Uh, and, I, and I might have mentioned this before, but in addition to sort of giving uh, these sort of smaller studios or, or less embedded studios uh, different projects, it'd just be nice to see them shuffle projects between studios in general, even the EA, the sort of the legacy studios. Because they've had this this tendency to keep studios on one or two franchises at a time and not pass mm-hmm. the ball around, and I think that's led to a lot of sort of uh, uh, stagnation, right? A drought of creative yeah. ideas, uh, and so it'd be nice if Monolith Soft wants to do this. It'd be nice to pass them a franchise and see if they can freshen it up. Yeah, Zelda and Metroid, I think, are amazing candidates for them to pick up. Right, because. That is a game that Nintendo has made, but they would surely give a spin on it that Nintendo wouldn't have given. Yeah. Great. Well, as always, to conclude the new segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed previously or anything you hear about in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page, you'll see all these links. This week, we're trying something a little different with the lightning round. We'll be talking about each of the stories, bantering a little bit more. So we'll see how that goes. Let us know, guys, if you if you like that. You can email me, colinicamnesia.com, for feedback on that. But here we go. First off, we've got some upcoming dates to look out for, as well as some recent releases. Fast Racing Neo and Devil's Third are both available now on Wii U, as well as a new weapon in Splatoon. Meanwhile, Terraria and SteamWorld Heist both launched on the 3DS eShop. Pokemon trainers can get a special Hoopa from McDonald's through Mystery Gift until December 23rd. The adorable plush Pikachu from Build-A-Bear is available for pre-order now. December 17th, Minecraft Wii U Edition launches on the eShop. December 19th, Hoopa and the Clash of Ages, the next Pokemon movie, airs on Cartoon Network. And February 26th, 2016, fast-forwarding way into the future here, Bravely Second Endlayer launches in Europe. 
Then we've got a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. I'm turning into uh, Elmer Fudd here. Um, but Linkle was added to Hyrule Warriors Legends thanks to fans of her original character art. That's uh, some beautiful sand service. Uh, Smash yeah. Bros. developers, please take note. <laughs> Uh, Mario Maker received free Mercedes-Benz DLC this week. You can check a trailer out for that at Camnesia. Uh, we were actually going to talk about this in the bigger section, but it got bumped because a lot more stories came up. Um, does anyone have any funny jokes about that? Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> Septile is confirmed playable in Pokémon Tournament, and there's a cool trailer for him. There's also a ton of new info on support Pokémon, a wired controller for Wii U, and more. And the legendary Pokemon Volcanion has been officially revealed and will star in the upcoming movie. He's half fire, half water, just in case you're not sure if you want to drown your opponent or, you know, burn them to death. Getting boiled wait, here. Wait, wait, I have something for Super Mario Maker. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> this is probably the closest you'll see to a reference to a Western IP in a Nintendo game. Mm, Alex <laughs> is getting salty about this here, isn't he? I am. <laughs> Pent up rage. You're the guy who's been raving about Splatoon for months on end and how beautiful its Shibuya culture is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Splatoon's great. I'm just. But Splatoon is, a, Splatoon is a love letter to 90s Western culture. See. That's also. Oh, hey, yeah, that's true. I saw your profile picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem will not support off TV play, but they are planning DLC. Hyrule Warriors Legends features customizable fairies to help during battle, as well as a Wind Waker adventure map and Street Pass functionality. And Mario & Luigi Paper Jam only sold 18% of its initial shipment in Japan. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. It's about half as much as uh, Dream Team, uh, Mario & Luigi Dream Team, and, and less, almost uh, about a third as much, just a little more than a third as much as um, Sticker Star. Hey, so uh, you know what happens, Nintendo, when you try to force sales down everyone's throats? You get a paper jam? I don't oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't setting anything up for a joke there. I was just like, this is oh. what you get when you're when you're pulling your <laughs> here. Well, I mean, they did name the uh, game after something you don't want to have happen, so. <laughs> yeah, paper jam is always a bad thing. <laughs> uh, the ESRB has rated the original Super Mario Galaxy for a Wii U release. There's an announcement trailer for Volcanion, as well as a gameplay trailer for Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem, and an extensive Hyrule Warriors Legends trailer boasting new characters, features, and boss fights. Nintendo has sold 11 million amiibo in the US, and Reggie says their emphasis on characters is a glimpse into the future of Nintendo. I hope this means creating more characters, because as much as I love existing Nintendo characters, uh, just focusing on them a ton is not going to do it by itself. I have a feeling Splatoon has encouraged this a lot. I hope so. But um, I don't really have any real reason to think that. I <laughs> and it is good that they're focusing on characters, but I just hate for them to focus exclusively sure. on Mario yeah. and Pokemon like they have at retail with Amiibo. Yeah. Uh, Reggie says that bringing Mario to smartphones isn't, quote, a recipe for printing money. And he says that Mitomo makes, quote, so much sense. Reggie elaborates as well on My Nintendo, which he says is tremendously ambitious and explains why they shut down Club Nintendo for it. The Shovel Knight amiibo will apparently be in low supply at Target. A game that unabashedly ripped off several Pokemon was pulled from the App Store. Nintendo surprises fans with fun and presents at the Nintendo Holiday Mall experience. Pokemon Go's trailer was one of YouTube's top trending gaming videos this year. A Guitar Hero-inspired level in Mario Maker has you hit blocks in time with falling Goombas. It's pretty cool. A GTA 5 mod lets you explore the N64 Yoshi Valley from Mario Kart 8. That is also really cool. And Mario Kart 8 is up and running on PC with a Wii U emulator, so a huge technical achievement there. 
Yeah, and you know, this, this emulator came out a few months ago, but it, it couldn't even get past, like, the loading screen for most Wii U games. But now, yeah, it's it's, it's it's running pretty smoothly, and there's there's color. I don't think there's uh, in-game sound yet. Or not not, not fully, but it, they, they, they released a side-by-side -side video, and it's looking way better. Yeah. Uh, the designer of Doom, Quake, and more showed off the PC demo of Mario 3 that they made 25 years ago. Nintendo ultimately turned it down, of course, but... Uh, that's an interesting look at that. The mod that adds Waluigi to the cast of Smash Bros. Brawl and Project M will launch later this month. And fans have recreated Nintendo's hilariously bad Star Fox 64 advertisement for Star Fox Zero. And it is wonderfully bad. <laughs> it is really bad. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it. We're up to 46 now, or 47, maybe even 48, but keep them coming. We love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much. And it, again, it really helps out uh, for more people to find our podcast. So that's great. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys and we read them and talk about them here on the show. We haven't gotten many questions lately, so please send them in if you think of some. Um, and that's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N, and at Colin McIsaac, at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And Alex, they can find you on Twitter as well? Oh, yes, you can find me at Legend of Lex. Excellent. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com for more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, please enjoy an orchestral rendition of Freeze Easy Peak from the Banjo-Kazooie Symphony. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. We didn't talk about cloud.